0: Hello and welcome to the Happy Lawyer Podcast with me, your host, Catherine Sure. Today, I'm here with Mavis Butkiss, the managing partner of Mackenzie Lake Lawyers and my boss. Welcome to the show, Mavis.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be here.
0: I appreciate you taking the time to do this today. So let's jump right in. Can you tell us a little bit about your practice and what you do?
1: So I am currently the managing partner at Mackenzie Lake, which is a law firm in London, Ontario with about at any given time, between 50 and 55 lawyers. I also do practice in the area of commercial litigation. I do some law pro work, professional negligence, construction litigation, and other general commercial litigation.
0: So I wanted to talk to you about your journey as a lawyer. Where did you start out, and what was the path that led you to where you are
1: now? So when I finished law school, I articled at a reasonably small firm in London called Cohen Milmitzer, It exists today. It's now cohen Highley. When I was there, I articled and then went back for my first year. I did solicitor's work at that time, which I really wasn't that crazy about. But I met uh, two other lawyers who were practicing there, John McNair, who is still at Mackenzie Lake with me, and Chris Bentley, who um, ultimately became a politician for a while and is now associated with the Ryerson University's Law legal education program. We left Mackenzie Lake together and and had a small practice on our own for a number of years. I then left that practice with John McNair and joined a firm that was then called Ross Bennett and Lake. And Ross Bennett and Lake uh, was one of two firms that merged about 21 years ago to become Mackenzie Lake.
0: And have you been there ever since?
1: Well, I haven't worked continuously through my, through my career. Uh, there were times at Ross Bennett and Lake where I left completely and times at both firms where I worked only on a consulting basis from time to time. But I've been working back full-time, I believe, probably for about 12 years. And what led you to take some of that time off? Uh, mostly my children. I have three children, and at that time they were very busy and active. And I had uh, my ex-husband was not particularly committed to spending time with the kids. He was very busy on doing his own thing. He had his own business, and he was traveling a lot. So my kids were very busy, and I, I just needed more time to spend with them, and partly driving them around the province doing whatever it is they were doing.
0: So how did you make that decision?
1: It wasn't very hard. I mean, at the time, fortunately, we could financially manage that. But I I felt that I really wanted to spend the time with my children, that they became it became more important to be there with them. And I wasn't particularly committed to the type of work I was doing at the time. I was still doing a lot of solicitor's work. I wasn't crazy over it. And so I felt like there was, the other side of my life had more to offer at that time did you ever consider leaving law completely oh yes I, many times um, uh, but when I decided to come back to work full-time it was a good option for me and it's it's worked out in fact I've been happier at it since I came back than I was before I left I think why do you think that is I think I found a spot for myself when I came back, and the type of work I was doing that I found more satisfying, and and that has a lot to do with how happy you are to get up every day and come into an office and start working.
0: Were there any other factors about the practice of law that made you not want to
1: continue? I think I felt that it wasn't the kind of work that I was doing and the practice of law. I found sometimes boring sometimes repetitive and not at all creative and i really never found a niche in it until i came back from having spent some time with my kids that i felt satisfied my need to do things that were more interesting and and part of the problem is that when you have kids and you have a a business you have to make compromises so the compromises that i made were Tied to staying in London and to doing work that wasn 't necessarily what I would have done if I had been free to go and just find a career somewhere
0: so what would you say have been the biggest challenges you've faced in your career
1: well for me it 's been finding um, a way to enjoy the practice of law and to carry on it carry it on in a way that I like, and that took a long time for me. It took me a long time to grow up, I like to say. But I did feel I, I excelled at law school and I, I felt kind of ahead of the curve all the time. And once you start practicing and you have children, you feel like you're always compromising. So I think that's a pretty common challenge for most people is to move from feeling that you're on top of the world and, and you're sort of at the top of the heap to going to compromising enough just to maintain the career while you're having your kids.
0: How did you find the place that you are now? Like, how did you determine what area you wanted to practice in when you returned?
1: Well, I was lucky, to be honest with you. I was really lucky. I I had um, worked with the the peer lawyers at Ross Bennett and Lake for a number of years, and they didn't want me to leave. So even when I left, they kept giving me work to do from time to time, and they maintained my insurance, and they found a spot for me. And And um, when I came back, there were some large files that needed, some large litigation files that needed some work and some analysis. And and that was a a good niche for me, a bit like problem solving, going through massive amounts of documents and coming up with a, a way to approach the file. And that's how I started doing the type of litigation that I did and do now.
0: Throughout that journey, what would you say has been the biggest challenge that you faced in practice as a woman?
1: It's a bit different for me. I'm 64, almost 64. And when I started practicing in London, there really were hardly any women practicing law. So when I started practicing in London, there were very few women practicing. Um, and I did not have what I would call a support supportive system at, at home. So I had children right away. I had my first child when I was... Uh, doing the Barad course, which was then a, a long course. And I had another one 20 month, months later. So I felt it was, uh, it was always a compromise. It was a time of recession. It was the 80s. There was a big recession. There were hardly any jobs. I was tied to London and I had my children. So my biggest challenge initially was just finding a job, which I managed to do. And then um, after that, It was finding work within law that I felt worked for me and that I wanted to do. So as a woman, that has the additional added added challenge of managing a lifestyle that works for you. I wanted to spend time with my kids. Uh, When I was in the late 80s and early 90s, there were a lot of women moving into the workforce, and the women who were most successful either had no children Uh, or they had nannies and they still worked long, long hours with nannies at home looking after their children. And that wasn't an option that I felt was a good one for me or a good fit for me. So I felt very much like I was always compromising both sides of my life to try to make them, keep them parallel. And I think that, that compromise is, is probably a challenge for most of us because as I said, you don't picture yourself compromising when you start down a career path and you go to law school with all of the ideals you probably had at that time.
0: Since you began your career and you were facing those challenges, do you think anything has changed in terms of what women face?
1: Oh, yes. It, the, the world has changed, basically. The, uh, there are still differences in the way men and women are treated by many people, but there are also differences in the way men and women behave. So when I started practicing law, the men treated me as a novelty and were often very disparaging and downright rude. Uh, but that, I think that still exists, but at a much smaller on a, it's more rare for people to deal with women differently simply because they're women, which was the case when I started practicing. Now I find um, that has changed. But what has not changed is the fact that women are just, for the most part, simply different than men. And so we work differently. And And some men don't expect that. They have an expectation, I think, that if you're a lawyer, you're going to do exactly what I did and you're going to do it in exactly the way I did. And for some women that works, and for others it doesn't. So so that is a constant challenge for women to be able to, to work in law while maintaining their own identity and not conforming to a model that really probably suits men more than women.
0: What are some of the changes that you think need to take place to address some
1: of those issues? Well, I think the changes are not external to women. I think they're internal to women when they make the choice to be a lawyer. Women who want to be a lawyer need to understand the way this job works and what it takes from you and what you need to give it if you want to be successful at it. And so you ne- we need to define our own definition of success instead of accepting the definition of success as a lawyer that has been imposed on us, which is, you know, to be it's to be in a good-sized firm and to be a partner and to make lots of money, and that's only that's a measure of success that 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 women accept because that's the way the legal world is. But you you have to change what what your measure is, and the community and the legal community in particular has to change what it measures as success in order for women to be successful on a large scale. In in my world, the most successful women, frankly, in the practice of law, in private practice, have adapted their, their way they practice to practice more like a man than a woman in my generation. And I've seen it sometimes in younger generations, too that they just simply accept that the long hours the the money the partnership all of that's the right measure to be looking for to determine success. So the women who are most successful I think are the people who find a definition of success that matches their lifestyle and you can do good work without working um, 200 hours a month but you have to accept that that's going to bring with it different compensation than for someone who works 200 Hours a month, and you you need to change. We need to change internally what we think is success. And we still have a tendency; everyone does to say that person's really successful because they work in that firm and they make scads of money. It's not really the only measure. But if that stays the measure of success, women will always be where they are right now.
0: Yes, I. I think that makes a big difference as well with satisfaction with the job, because you don't necessarily have to hit all the milestones to be successful in your own way. There is no real reason you have to make partner in X years or make X dollars to be successful. That's just the idea that we've been told and continue to try and follow, even if that's not in the best interest in terms of
1: lifestyle well that's right if that's what we call success that's always going to be a problem for women who want to have children it it just will be so but i think in your generation some men are coming to a similar conclusion that they don't necessarily want to follow that path and that's been hard for lawyers of my generation to understand when they're trying to motivate and they look at junior lawyers and junior lawyers men and women are now making different lifestyle choices that were frankly unacceptable and and not even an option for us. So it I think that is changing. I think that the men of your generation may change that as well. I do agree.
0: I do see the difference between the generations. There's a bit of a middle ground where some are stuck between the two, but I do think that over time things
1: will change. They will, but you know, people have to compromise their monetary goals to make that happen. You, the 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 difficult the most difficult people to deal with in my position are people who think that they have a right to a lifestyle that's different from the lawyer in the office beside them but they want the same money and we need to people need to understand that law is just a business and that a legal practice is something that someone has built and developed on a personal level and therefore the product brings in the 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 financial compensation that it does. It's, it's not a question of going into a large business that functions nine to five for everyone and a woman being paid less than a man. It, 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 it has the added level of the man may well, in fact, be earning and bringing in more money than the woman. And that has to be a factor in deciding what the compensation is for both people to move forward successfully. And that's what I mean about people changing their expectations and their measure of what is successful.
0: So just circling back a bit, when did you become the managing partner? About two and a half years ago. What was the decision-making process behind that? Like, how did you decide to take on that role?
1: Well, it seemed to be the right move at the time, both for the firm and for me. Um, I had worked always in conjunction with the two previous managing partners. And I had naturally become involved in a lot of the business side of the firm with them. So it seemed an easy transition for it to go to me. And for myself, it was a change and I was ready for a change. I, it has been a new challenge running a business instead of just focusing on the practice of law. And I, I, I've actually, for the most part, really enjoyed that side of it having it was a nice different job description really which i was ready for so
0: and as the managing partner of the firm what kind of goals do you have or visions do you have for the firm moving forward
1: well i hope that it stays a firm that is uh, collegial it has i believe a very strong reputation in the community for being a collegial firm uh with a good heart uh i've had a managing partner for my from another firm tell me that i have a reputation for being a benevolent employer and i think that's actually a good reputation some men maybe wouldn't want it but i'm quite happy to be viewed that way and that's a challenge as the firm grows because you add different personalities and people from different backgrounds that perhaps haven't worked within an environment like ours before. So my goal would be for the firm to maintain its growth pattern, but still retain that small firm collegiality that I think it's known for.
0: Do you have any specific goals for the younger lawyers at the firm?
1: Well, that's a harder question. It's with, for me, for some of the young lawyers, the goal is to to help them to understand the practice of law in a lot of the ways that we've talked about. It's a service industry. It's a business That's not what you think when you walk of law school. You think you're a lawyer and you're a professional, and you are, and you provide a professional service, but people are still buying it. So the clients have to be there in order for it to function. And to get the clients in this competitive world, you have to be prepared to do really good work and to be available to the clients when they need them. So for some young lawyers, I think understanding what the practice of law actually is, is a a hard transition. Um, And I think for them, if they can understand that they're really walking into a business that needs to be cultivated, that they will find it easier going as time goes on. But young lawyers also need to understand that the best advertisement for your services is to do really good work.
0: Have you had any big challenges as managing partner that you've had to overcome?
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I had a lot of personnel personnel challenges originally. I've had several of those. Um, One extremely difficult one. Um, But those have been the hardest because they were inherited from previous management. And it took a lot of courage and guts to face some of them down. But I got through that, and I think that I earned some grudging respect throughout that time. Um, Other challenges were, as you know, we had outdated uh, accounting software and and things that caused a major transition in the firm, and now we're dealing with COVID-19, so I've had my share, I think.
0: When you have a challenge, such as the personnel issues or the accounting software, or even COVID-19. How do you approach that?
1: Well, the biggest thing is to make sure that you have the support of your partners. And with the support of your partners, you can actually face those challenges down. But you have to be a little fearless. You have to be prepared to have people who don't like you or don't don't agree with what you're doing. Because if you don't face them head on, they just fester, which is what had happened perhaps with some of those issues in the years before I became the managing partner. I have a reputation for being fairly blunt with my partners and, and I think that's actually stood me in good stead because I don't tend to say things I don't mean. So people, when I'm dealing with people within the firm, they know that. So that's helped. And the support, if you don't have the support of your partners and you're out there swinging in the wind, you can't really do much in a a firm like this.
0: In my opinion, Mackenzie Lake is relatively ahead of the game when it comes to flexible work arrangements. For example, I work in a different city. There are two lawyers that work in a different province. One works part-time from home. There's another person that works exclusively from home. What kind of considerations go into allowing those types of flexible work arrangements?
1: Well, perhaps aside from you, those flexible situations came um, about as a result of trying to accommodate people who were already working at Mackenzie Lake. So it's, the first one probably was um, the first lawyer to move out west who had personal reasons for wanting to go out there. He wanted to stay tied with the firm, and we felt very strongly that that was a good option for us to maintain that tie. so we knew him, we knew how he worked, we knew what he did, we were comfortable with him, and he was a partner, so that was that was just accommodating him and keeping him in the fold the um, The lawyers who work from home similarly they are lawyers who worked at the firm and needed accommodation for changes in their lives or what they wanted to do so we didn't have much risk in those situations it wasn't like hiring someone off the street who said I want to work from home or I want to work from another province that the risks were minimal and that let us that let us do that it let us move into that sort of transitory phase with those people and and that so it sounds like we're very ahead of the game, but really we're just maintaining the relationships that we built when they started working with us.
0: Why do you think that those flexible arrangements have gone on to be successful both for the lawyers and for the firm?
1: I think because everybody's uh, managed expectations all the way along. And so everybody understood it. it goes back a little bit to what I was saying before. If, if you want accommodations and changes and to be if you want your job to accommodate your life choices and your needs, then if you can come to an arrangement with the people you're working with that makes it fine makes it financially viable for both of you, then you can both move forward. And and that's what we did. I think that we reached monetary arrangements that have no cost to the firm and a net benefit to the firm of keeping those people within the fold and they're all really good lawyers. And that That's why they've been successful. And I think it's the base relationship that was made that permitted us to do that because that relationship was already there.
0: We know from the statistics that... There are a lot of unhappy lawyers out there. One study indicated that 41% of female lawyers in the U.S. were dissatisfied with their job. And another study has shown that nearly 30% of all lawyers in Canada will have left law entirely within five years of practice. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, it it mirrors my life, I, I would suggest, in law. I never really found a job I was happy with in the early years. I was compromising To accommodate my ex husband and my children. And so we're all overachievers when we go into law school. We all think, as I said, that we're ahead of the curve. And then we get out and we find out, firstly, that the job isn't all it's cracked up to be. It's a service industry. And people expect us to work long hours. And at the same time, we want to have children and a lifestyle. So it's not a job that naturally lends itself um, within its current sort of iteration that's a great job for women lawyers there are some women who find a way through that, there are women who open up their own small firm and work at their capacity and earn at their capacity and they don't have the demands of other lawyers on them We're not, they're not being measured against everyone else in the office and and that works for a lot of people it's the same reason a lot of women look for in-house jobs because they're they're always smart they're always good at their job they just don't want to do it or cannot do it the same way that the man in the next office can do it so it's the job it's it's probably the same in a lot of careers where the job doesn't really match what your expectation is when you go into law school and it just doesn't work for some women as they move through different phases of their lives.
0: What advice would you have for a young lawyer who's just starting out and really struggling with trying to make the decision if law really is for them?
1: Well, I think they need to understand that law doesn't have to be private practice, that that, you know, it's the old school view that a legal education is a really good education for pretty much any job you want to do. And and that's the truth. So the number of lawyers who've moved into in-house positions is, has expanded dramatically in the last 10 years from, from where it was, and there's a reason for that. It's, it's one client, one demand, uh, no dockets, things that, that, that weigh upon a lawyer in private practice. And for young lawyers starting out who are struggling, they need to um, understand that it's a business, it's a business. It's a service industry, and the best you can do is just do the best possible job you can do for each client. And if you make that client happy, then the next client will come along because it, word of mouth is probably the best advertising, despite all of the emphasis on networking and you know, cocktail parties and and charity functions. It. it, it if you're not doing a really good job, it, you're not going to be successful. So you have to spend a lot of time devoting yourself to just doing really good work and tie yourself to someone you admire who does really good work, whose type, whose work you you want to emulate, find someone and just drag yourself along with them. If you're doing litigation, just go along and watch. Forget the money, just go and learn from them because that's the best way to learn is to work with somebody who's really good.
0: What role would you say that networking does play in helping a lawyer develop their
1: practice? So I'm not a good person to talk to about networking because my answer would be absolutely nothing for me. And it didn't. The type of work I've always done had really nothing to do with networking. Um, I think it's important for people in private practice, but I think it's over... There's an overemphasis on it right now. I think uh, you do need to make relationships in the community so that you're a top of mind to people who are looking for a lawyer but they're not going to hire lawyers because they thought they were funny at a cocktail party and there's a bit of that overemphasis going on i i still think you need to balance that with the work you do it, it, it there's there's more to it than that you need to make your clients feel that that you're doing the best job possible for them and that you 're providing a really good service to them, so I think that 's more important than networking. I think some some types of practices lend themselves more to networking, but i don 't I, I think a lot of us have been sitting on those boards or been to those committee meetings where there 's a lot of lawyers on the board or the committee who are just there to put it onto the resume and make sure they can meet people and sometimes I think that 's worse when you see that person in the boardroom or at the committee meeting. And you know that's the only reason they're there, that they don't really care that much about the uh, the organization, that they're there to help theoretically. So you have to balance the need to network with the uh, the need to work and just do really good work.
0: And finally, one last question. If you had the chance to do it
1: all over again, would you? No. No, I would not go to law school if I did it again. I. I would do. I think I would try to pursue something that I felt would be more creative. I always pictured myself working in a library or writing, and uh, I think I would, I would let have let myself follow that dream instead of thinking that I needed to follow a path that had a job at the end. And because some of my friends who didn't follow a path with a job have the most interesting jobs now, because they just followed their heart and did what they wanted. For me, going to law school was a way to get a degree that would give me a job. I can't say that it's let me down. I've had a good life in it, and I'm, I'm quite happy with where I am right now. But no, would I do it again? No.
0: Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us today. Okay. All right. Thank you. So that's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. If you liked the episode, please give a five-star review to help others find the show. And if you have any questions about your law career, please head over to the happylawyer.ca and send me an email through the contact page. I'd be happy to set up a virtual coffee date. Talk soon. Bye for now.